I've, I've worked with her continuously. <laughs> I think she did a good job. <laughs> That's why I'm a little rascal. <laughs> good to see all of you. And, and Steve, you did a wonderful job as well. Look at Acts chapter 2, if you will. Acts chapter 2. There's a lot of difference between sermons and a message. Uh, any preacher can throw together a sermon outline and take about an hour, hour and a half, and you just throw one together. Uh, but Warren Wiersbe said it takes a lifetime of experiences to put messages together because they come out of a lifetime of experiences. I like messages Amen. where it just gets down into people's lives and hopefully makes a difference through the sweet Holy Spirit. There's always so much at stake when you stand up to preach. You're almost standing between the living and the dead. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening in people's lives. And the way you say it, what you say, what you fail to say, may make all the difference in the world. Huge, tremendous responsibility. But only the Holy Spirit can make it work. And He's always here, isn't He? Amen. And He's our preacher. Would you stand please and look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts 2, 1 through 4. A message. What we're going to do is take a look inside the first church. This will be encouraging to you and hopefully even inspiring. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is when the first church was empowered and actually became the body of Christ corporately. We're just going to look inside of it. I think you'll find it very encouraging today. Pray with me, please. Dear Lord, I'm grateful for the privilege of being here, and I know some cannot be here who would have loved to have been here. But, oh, sweet Holy Spirit of God, would you be our preacher? If you don't do your wonderful work here in this place during this time, all these people will know is something they've heard from a preacher. But I pray, I even beg you, to give us something from heaven above, something so real, so renewing, so reviving, so refreshing, that it'll change our lives. Meet every need in this house. And dear Lord, I praise you for all you do. For I ask it in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be saved. When I say the first church, I mean literally the first church on this earth. It did not exist in the Old Testament. Even though the Israel is called the church in the wilderness, the word does not mean the same thing. Uh, generally speaking, it just means an assembly of people. But here in the New Testament, when you see the church, it means a totally different thing. It's a called out assembly of baptized believers sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That had never existed before. This is literally the first church that ever came into existence right here. And we're going to take a look at it inside. Look at the church members. The men and women, just like you, when they assemble together, they worship, they prayed, they praised, they gave offerings, they uh, had the message from the Word of God, the invitation. They had a wonderful time, just like we do. We're following that pattern. 
But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is more than an organization of men. It's ordained by God. Uh, this is not something we put together. This is something God ordained. It was totally His idea. We have every right to be here. I don't care what politicians say or do or what religious groups say or do or what radicals. It doesn't matter. We were here first and we have every right to be here. They can get out of the way. We're not going anywhere. Am I right? We're here and we're going to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but this is an amazing thing because even though the church has organization like we do, we have structured up, we have meetings, we do things together, it is also a living organism because the Holy Spirit lives in every one of us and His life flows through us. So we're an organization with a living organism. That's wonderful. That's why 1 Timothy 3.15 says it is the church of the living God. We're the church of the living God. We are alive in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. Uh, two pastors were talking one day and one said to the other, are your people in unity? He said, yeah, they're all frozen together. <laughs> no, no. We want to go forward for the glory of God. On fire, excited, moving ahead, doing the work of the Savior. But at the same time, being sensitive to the needs of the people with our own congregation, right? So the first thing we'll look at, they were unified. All 120 men and women who had been in an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem for 10 days praying for the Holy Spirit to come down. Now, he didn't come down because they prayed for him to come down. He came down because Jesus said, I promise to give you another comfort. They were not standing or kneeling when he came. And that's the two postures of Jewish prayer. They were sitting. They were sitting. You see that in the text? They were sitting in an upper room and suddenly he came down. That must have been amazing as of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues, divided tongues like as a fire set upon each one of them and there the church was formed. There the body was assembled and empowered by the sweet Holy Spirit and that was over 2,000 years ago and the church is not going down. The church is going up. It's going to make it because it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot be negative for the life of me. I cannot be negative. Pardon me for being positive. But I know who's the head of the church. He bled and died for it. He loves it. And he will keep it going until the day comes for it. But the church was unified. There was not some over here saying we want to do it this way and others over there saying no, we want to do it another way. No, they were all together, one mind, one heart, and all they wanted was to do the will of God. They were all together. That was a wonderful unity. I love it. I appreciate the unity and fellowship we have here. Guard it. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever allow anything to interfere with it, interrupt it. We're here as a unified group praising and adoring our wonderful Lord and we get along together. A lot of Baptist churches can't even get along together. But we get along and we enjoy the journey together. But these 120 men and women, they were in one accord. You see that in verse 1 of chapter 2? And then look over at verse 44 if you don't mind. And all that believed were together. There it is. They were together. These people wanted the same thing. They were on the same page. They wanted what God wanted. It wasn't what they wanted. They wanted what God wanted. And that was so important. I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate your faithfulness. And here's the thing. Whatever it takes to make it work. Whatever it takes. 
whatever comes, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, you say there's nothing worth that. Yes, Jesus Christ and His church is worth any sacrifice. And by the way, how did our, how did our forefathers act in times of persecution? Now, I know we have some uh, things we face, some problems, some trials, some challenges, but listen, we don't know anything compared to our forefathers. They met together under the threat of losing their lives, and many of them did. And after a while, Herod had James beheaded, and he was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Hope it doesn't get that bad around here. But anyway, uh, that's the way it was. But the more the devil tried to press them and stop them and cause them to cave in, the more the church grew. It thrived on persecution. Imagine that. Now, we don't like hard times. Nobody does. We like good times. We want it bigger and better moving forward. But when hard times come, how should we respond? Don't cave in. You just dig a little deeper and say we're going on for the glory of God. That's what our forefathers did. You couldn't stop. That church was unstoppable. Amen. You could not stop it. They were together in whatever it took. I love uh, Psalm 133 verse 1. How good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Isn't that wonderful? If you like that verse, say amen. amen. I love that. And so the first thing, you look inside this church and you see all these men and women. I'm talking about thousands of them. They were in unity. They got along together. Whatever it took to make it work and whatever God wanted and the Holy Spirit. And listen, they didn't make a move without the leading of the Holy Spirit. They didn't elect an official. They didn't do one thing. They didn't transact any business unless the Holy Spirit was guiding them and it worked beautifully. And I love that kind of format where he's in charge. Watchman Nee called the Holy Spirit the resident boss. He runs the thing. I don't run it. You don't run it. He runs it. Whatever he wants, he gets. And may it ever be that way at Fellowship Baptist Church. Whatever he wants. Already had you say amen, but if you like the second point, say amen. amen. Here's the second thing. They took care of their own. Now, this is important. They took care of their own. Over in chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, but in verses 1 through 3, <clears throat> here's what's happening. The church grew so fast, the church at Jerusalem, they couldn't hardly keep up with everybody. They couldn't even learn each other's names. There was over 8,000 of them by the time you get to Acts chapter 6. Over 8,000 members. <clears throat> Here's what's going on. Most of them were Jews. But there were a number of Gentiles in there that had been proselyted, saved, and brought into the church. The church of Jerusalem was mainly Jewish. But the Jewish people, even though it was a church, even though they were saved, even though they were coming together, the Jewish people did not like to let go of their monopoly on things. And they looked at the Gentiles as kind of a second-class people. And the Jewish people were getting more attention and having more of their needs met than the Gentile people were. The apostles saw that, and they brought the church congregation together, and they said, here's what I want you to do. Won't you look around in the congregation and find seven men of good report and full of the Holy Spirit and bring them up and we will nominate them, elect them, let you elect them as the first deacons. And they did. And those deacons started taking care 
of the things in the church along with the apostles. The apostles and deacons worked together and they took care of the church family so that none would be neglected. They took care of their own. Whatever they needed to do, whatever it cost, whatever it involved, they took care of each other in that wonderful assembly. It was wonderful. And James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God is to take care of them. Now, we're not many in number today. We've got a lot of people out. But here's the thing. You'd be surprised at all the needs represented in this room this morning. We've got Ricky there having surgery on Thursday. This is a life-changing surgery for Ricky. And we're all praying for him. We're all loving him. And we're all pulling for you, brother. And I'll be there. You can count on it. Then Rodney with his dear wife Gay and a lot going on with her. And so many of you, and I'm not trying to miss anybody or just single out some, but just to name a few of them and a lot of things. But the, the New Testament church, they take care of their own. Isn't that wonderful? Now listen, I don't want to try it out here by myself, but when I've got you pulling for me and praying for me and, and I've got you as a church family, I think I can make it about through anything. And I think we all feel about the same way. You're not alone. We're all together in this matter, right? We're together. We'll get it done. We'll get it done together by the grace of God. They took care of their own. That's a wonderful thing. They identified with each other. They just didn't go around and slip them a pat on the back and say, I'm praying for you and walk out the door and forget about it. No, they related. They identified. They got involved. I remember some time ago in another town when I was at a pharmacy. I went to a pharmacy and I went over to the pharmacist and I'll never forget him. Uh, Scott Plyler. Uh, just a good fellow. Nice looking fellow. About 30 something years old and had the, the biggest head of wavy black hair. And some of you men are saying, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I pray for that back. But, oh, he's a nice fellow. And Scott and I were friends. I went in there one day to get a prescription filled, and I noticed he was bald. Shaved his hair. All of it. Didn't have a hair on his head. And I thought, that's strange. And so I asked one of the assistants there, I said, what's going on with Scott? What happened to his hair? And she said, hadn't you heard? I said, no. She said his wife has been diagnosed with brain cancer and she's lost all of her hair. And Scott told us, he said this, I'm going to shave my head. He said, if my wife can't have hair, I'm not going to have hair either. Now that's identifying with it, isn't it? That's, that's identifying with what's going on with that person. And that's the way they did it in the book of Acts. They just didn't go around saying, Hey, brother, I love you. Good to see you. And I'll talk to you next time. No, they really got involved with each other. And I appreciate the way you do that here. Keep it up. Keep it up. Ricky, you're going to make it. Because we're all with you, brother. We're going to make it together. They took care of their own. And then the final thing, they reached out. This early church reached out. You couldn't stop them from reaching out. I mean, they just went everywhere sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what their message was? According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. You know what our message is? It's not politics. It's not reform. It's not do better. Our message is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You need him as your personal Savior. And everybody in Gordon County needs to know we're in business and we're sharing the good news of the gospel. Right. Doing it. Acts 5.14 And multitudes were added to the Lord, both men and women. You know why? Chapter 8, verse 4 says, They went everywhere sharing the message. That pronoun, they, who's it referring to? The apostles and deacons? Mm -mm. The church members. All the church members said, we're going to go out and we're going to tell everybody that Jesus is alive again. And they filled that place up to overflowing. Oh, listen, this is a team effort. We're all together. Tell everybody you know about Fellowship Baptist Church. Listen, are you ashamed of your church? I'm not. Uh, my membership here, my tithes is here. Uh, I love this place. You can do four things for your church. Attend it, commend it, defend it, and extend it. Yeah, all those things. Just do everything you can. Every church member is vitally involved. Not anybody cowing down or getting uninvolved. Just moving forward for the grace of God. That's a wonderful thing. I'll tell this. You don't have to know who they are. And I don't want you to ask me who they are. It's nobody's business. But we have a couple in this church that has bought uh, several hundred gospel tracts at their own expense. And uh, what they're going to do is they're going to put money in those gospel tracts, uh, so much money a week, I think. And there's a service station right out here across from uh, Bill's place. And then that, that BP, is that BP going to ever open? What is going on with that thing? I, I go back every week. It looks the same way it did before. Open the thing or close the thing or something. I don't understand. But when it does finally open, they'll be going out there and over to this one. And they'll be giving the gospel tracts, got our information on it. And they're going to go by and when people are getting gas, they're going to say, here's a gift from Fellowship Baptist Church and a little money in it to help you with the expense of your fuel. Now, I'm going to start getting gas out there myself. <laughs> but isn't that something? Isn't that something? Just come up with anything. Now that's identifying with what's going on in our society. Am I right? But coming up with ways of trying to reach people for the dear Lord. And then all of us being willing, all of us in here being willing to do whatever the Lord wants us to do in this wonderful fellowship. We've got a nominating committee that we're going to be putting in place. And then we're going to be installing new teachers and officers for the new year. Listen, we have two vital positions that need to be filled. Two. One of them is a Sunday school superintendent. Now, Chris can't do it anymore because of his uh, work schedule and all. And I appreciate him saying it. We did, I just can't do it. We need to have somebody. If we had a Sunday school superintendent that knew the structure of Sunday school, what it takes to make it work, and had a burden for men, women, boys, and girls. This Sunday school would triple, maybe quadruple, in about a year if we just had that kind of a Sunday school superintendent. Are you that man? Are you that person? I don't know. But we need that desperately. We have another position that we need to fill, and several others. But we need to be available and say, Dear Lord, I want to be just like these men and women who made up the first church. I want to volunteer and say, Dear Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Listen, it's an honor to serve the Lord Jesus, is it not? Yeah. I've never felt like 
that I had to be coached or prodded or anything else to keep on going for the Lord. It's an honor and it's a wonderful privilege. You say, well, preacher, we pay you to be here. You don't pay me to serve the Lord. You pay me to take care of you, and I appreciate it. You do a wonderful job. But I'm going to, listen, I'd pay you if I had to. Wait a minute, I don't mean that. <laughs> but anyway, I love it. I love it. I don't care about anything except just being available and serving and saying, dear Lord, what can I do? I'm not much, but I am one. I'm not everybody, but I am one, and one can make a difference. And I want you to search your heart this morning, and I want you to ask him, Dear Lord, in this wonderful place, we want to be like the first church. You couldn't stop those people. They lined up and said, Listen, if they're not going to do it, I'll do it. I mean, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm excited, I'm ready. My Lord's alive, I want to serve Him. And whatever I can do, I want to do. They lined up, you didn't have to beg them. They just said, let's get going for God. And whatever it is you can do, you say, I can't do much. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Everybody in here is important. There are no big boys in here. We're all the same. And everybody in here can serve the Lord. And I know we're getting older, and we need some younger ones, and they'll be coming in. But let's keep going and doing what we need to do. And some of you may have been praying and thinking, Lord, what can I do in this place? Let the Lord burn it in your heart and do it for Him, just for His honor and glory. And say, Lord, I'll serve you whatever you want me to do. We need you. Our Lord needs you. And you should be willing to serve Him. Let's bow for prayer. Our musicians are coming, and we're going to sing in a moment. This is kind of looking into the first church and how they did it. But oh, they were so excited. The Lord was alive again. There was a fire burning in them. They wanted to go forward. And they did, and they reached many, many thousands of people for the dear Lord. And here we are in this region. And there are people all over Plainville today sitting at home. Just sitting at home. Didn't go to church anywhere. No, no affiliation whatsoever. And here they could be in this wonderful place. But then too, you are here. Remember the second point? They took care of their own. You may have burdens and cares. You may need some help from some of your fellow church members come and pray with you about your burdens today you're welcome to come there may be one that's not even saved not sure you're saved you can come and trust the Lord as your Savior today but I want you to stand please and Roger what are we seeing today look at your back to single page 384 if you want to come and present yourself to the Lord and say Lord whatever you want from me I'm willing to do it I want to be your servant I want to count for your glory. Or if you have burdens, you come as well. But let's sing it if you will. We are
God's people said? Amen. Now pray, pray, pray. Pray for people who are sick right now. And then pray for people with burdens. Pray for upcoming surgeries. And pray for the future. It's so exciting and looks so bright about working for the dear Lord and bringing people in. That's great. God bless you. And remember, Deacons meeting at 5, WMU at 5, and then the evening service. Some things we can know for sure. This will encourage you. The Word of God. Again, John used the word know 20 times in his first epistle. Great day together. Great singing, fellowship, all of it. God bless you. Gene Grisham, would you pray for us, please, sir?
Thank you.